Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Palzik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And the sound of those helicopters tells you... Uh, we're live from Comic-Con, or I should say, I'm in Comic-Con, and... I'm live from my office. Yeah, I'm huddled on a, a park bench, because my normal space, uh, they shooed me away from, because they're actually managing the completely empty tents where a line would be if there was a line, but there isn't going to be for the rest of the day. Um, so, I'm being bitchy about that passive aggressive about that but i mean it's their job i get it i get it it's just it's it's where i've recorded the last four years with no problems so i'm a little salty about it and all a little salty in general fortunately for our listeners as was promised uh the space i did find does still have helicopters so that that television tradition continues here uh, at comic-con yay i love helicopters do you want my helicopter impression again i know you really enjoyed it last week no no you know what yeah i think are you sure i think there was a there was a lot of positive listener feedback about that helicopter sound i I, you know like that's a sacrifice that i think we're gonna have to make in the interest of my battery power okay fair all right (laughs) (laughs) that's fine it's been a fun con so far we're literally recording as early as we could right after the steven universe panel so i'm on a bit i'm a bit hype hyped up i'm a bit excited it was a good panel um lots i was live tweeting the whole thing so anybody who's interested in that should go to at the televerse on twitter and see you know what what uh, went down at the panel are you gonna seek out any of the the videos and stuff of the the new song the new steven universe song by estelle yes no i will probably do that later today and see if I can find something for it, or definitely tomorrow. So it's very exciting. It's a good song. Yeah. I like it. I'm. I, mean, I would imagine the trailer also for the movie is out now. By the time anybody's hearing this, if you wanted to see the Steven Universe trailer, probably you you can. Um, but there's a bunch of news happening right now at a Comic Con, of course, um, and that's going to take us into our news for the week. So Noel, why don't you take it away? What's been happening while I've been sequestered? Well, so the Emmys happened um, earlier this week, and I think the big surprise was Schitt's Creek got nominated for quite a few things uh, this week, um, which is exciting. I was so excited. I land- So I took off for-, for San Diego, and I landed, and when I landed and so you got internet again, there were- Schitt's Creek was a multi-nominee, uh-huh. and I was so excited. It was such a wonderful surprise and a way to start off, you know, San Diego this year. Um I'm very excited for obviously the show and for Eugene Levy and for Catherine O'Hara, but I think I, well, I'm most I'm most excited about the show nomination for best comedy. But I'm second most excited that they did get nominated for best costumes for the dress ah, uh, for that dress. That's very good. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty solid. No, um, I think the show definitely benefited from a bunch of press um, for the past season as well as it being on netflix and so a bunch of people found it and also it helps that eugene levy and Catherine o'hara have huge name recognition so i think that also probably made a big difference yeah well i mean just the the nominations in general this year were kind of weird yes in that it was like if your show got nominated it got nominated for a bunch um regardless of whether they're deserved fortunately for shit's creek they're all deserved but um 32 
32 nominations for Game of Thrones. Are you kidding me? Ugh. How many nominations for Queen Sugar again was it? Did you did you see? Was that was that covered, Noel? I'm pretty sure it was probably none, but I also didn't look at the non um top of the bill nominations. It was not it was not enough. Yeah. When Game of Thrones has 32 nominations, it was not enough. Well, that's what you get when HBO voters are all registered members of the Academy just to make sure that this happens. I mean, Kit Harrington for Best Actor. Really? Really? And, and I'm not trying to bash him. Just They didn't give him the stuff to do. It was just, ah, uh, yeah. Like, Amelia Clark, at, you know, she was working her butt off with terrible material. But, like, she was almost selling it, which was impressive given what they were asking her to do. Um, but yeah, a lot of these other ones, I was just like, wow, 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 the Emmys. But you know what? If that's what it takes for Shit's Creek to get nominated, I will take, I'll deal with it. I, I, I'm actually excited. The The comedy category is the strongest yeah. I have seen at the Emmys for a long time. Yeah, no, it's a really, the comedy stuff is actually, I think, really strong this year. And I think that that's, that's reflective of a bunch of things, but mostly the fact that I think it was sort of an opener field this year. Um, and they were really willing to push a little bit. And the comedy stuff almost legitimately felt a little bit like Golden Globe nominations in a good way. There's a few com- There's a few shows that I think were deserving to be there more than others. Yeah. But I mean... When, when I look at the Emmy nominations and I only have like two that where I go, well, as long as they don't win, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. That's a good Emmy, <laughs> good Emmy's year for me. Yeah, same. So what else was happening this week in news? Right. So um, she's got to have it. Uh, the television adaptation of Spike Lee's film of the same name uh, finished up uh, with its second season on Netflix. So it's not getting a third season. So its second season already aired or was dropped rather by Netflix. And so it's done with its second season, which I never got to the second season. So I'm kind of sad about that. Yeah, that one is on my list. I have an actual list and that one's on it. And uh, yeah, who knows if I'll get to it now. But um, certainly I saw very interesting write-ups about the first season when when it came out. And um, it's one that I'm sure at some point, if I get to it, I will have interesting, you know, things. Like Spike Lee's always going to have something interesting in his his work. Yes, I'm nodding. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Veronica Mars season four dropped a week early because time doesn't mean anything anymore, and also maybe who knows what. But because it's Kristen Bell's birthday. Oh, and is also it? Also because. Yes, it was her birthday yesterday, okay. and because they had their panel today at Comic Con, and oh, okay. well, other reasons too. But no, they announced it at the end of the panel. Oh, okay, I just, I just thought of all the critics and all the editors out there going, "No, I don't know how much notice they had, but it's not a lot." Yeah, they um, had some based on some tweets I saw, but mostly it amounted to that is not enough time. We do not have people ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was not envious of the various. Uh, Veronica Mars reviewers out there now scrambling to get everything like instead of like because ha- there, there have been screeners for a while yes but like a month yeah like like there hasn't been necessarily time if you are planning to write you know like to do some rewatching and really think about it like yeah that's that's not what you want to have happen it is a week early deadline for everything so the the I did watch the premiere. They screened that at Comic Con, and we'll have thoughts on that next week when we do our Comic Con wrap up. Yeah. Um. And then we're gonna do a, a season spotlight on Veronica Mars as well. But, uh. So brief thoughts. It's very Veronica Marsy, and it got some really fun stuff, and it's got some problematic stuff. And 
I think people who like Veronica Mars will like it. But more on that next week and then the week after. Uh, what other Comic-Con news has, has been making it through the, the bubble? Right. So His Dark Materials dropped their trailer and you were at the panel for this. So tell me about that. It was really cool and really fun. And yeah. the trailer looks sick. <laughs> did you watch it yet? I did watch it. It does indeed look pretty sick. I'm very excited about costuming with it. I'm very excited about Ruth Wilson. Um, yeah, that general- was the biggest takeaway from the panel was like, yeah, Ruth, Ruth Wilson. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about it. I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. And again, more on that next week in our in our wrap up. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was fun. And, and we were able to get in with limited waiting. Didn't have to wait very long to get into that panel. So and it's a Hall H panel. And that doesn't happen at Comic-Con very yeah. often. So well, I'll, I'll first day. I'm grateful for 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 Comic-Con miracles. Yeah. And so the other big thing, and you were you alluded to being at this panel, Steven Universe, the movie has its release date of September 2nd. Um, so that's exciting. You can mark that on our calendar and put that in our yes. show rundown. So we'll be all set. Um, yeah. yeah, so PM, I'm very excited. but they excited. did not say which time zone. I'm assuming that they mean Eastern. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then probably the most important news, like legitimately the most important news that's come out is... Of all word, of the news. Of all the news is the word that USA is developing a Nash Bridges revival. Um, and <laughs> I'm just like, oh boy. So for those of you who aren't aware, um, Nash Bridges starred um, Don Johnson and Cheech Marin as cops in San Francisco, I think. It's San Francisco. And um, it aired on CBS for a very long time. And Kate and I both watched too much of it when we were um, yeah. younger people. And it's just like, oh boy, everything old is everything old is new again, including Don Johnson, apparently. Yeah, no, he's Don Johnson is like, I would say he's having a moment, but it's not a moment. It's a long and, and flourishing career. But he's got uh, he's got Watchmen, right? Isn't he in the new Quentin Tarantino as well? Yes, to both of those. Yeah. So yeah, he pops up every now and again, and you know does a terrific job. He, he tends to play a certain kind of character, and he does it very well. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I I don't think the world is crying out for a Nash Bridges revival, but how you know dare what? they got all my letters? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they can do that thing that so many shows try to do tonally, right, and make yeah. it work, good for them. Because like, I also don't. I'm not interested in people trying to recapture the energy and fun of Nash Bridges and failing, which is kind of what I feel like uh, some of these other cop shows are, are really going for and not 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 nailing. So, yeah, I guess. I mean, I think we can watch. You know what? You can still get your Nash Bridges fix. I'm pretty sure it's on Hulu. So now's the time to start binging, I think. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly it is. <laughs> so that rest of our news uh, this week, we're going to have our. Uh, our, our look at Stranger Things season three that's coming at the end of the show our our uh, our season spotlight um, but and we're gonna have a somewhat truncated week in TV because I'm at Comic Con so I haven't seen as many things but Noel has so he's gonna talk to, talk to y'all and I will ask some questions so with without further delay shall we do our week in TV let's do it okay we'll be right back after this this has got to be a special treat for you. To the houses of Nuru, La Beja, an extravaganza, Manasseh, Celeron, Omni, Ebony, 
This week in TV, Noel's going to talk a bit about Oh Maidens in Your Savage Season, the premiere or pilot and episode two. So the premiere is The Taste of Her Pork Miso Soup and S-E-X, so E-S space E-E space E-C-K-S, um, which is an anime on high dive. Then he'll talk a bit about Grownish, Nice for What? Then we both have thoughts on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Collision Course Part 2. I'll talk a little pose. What would Candy do? And we'll round things up with Claws, Fly Like an Eagle. So first up is O Maidens in Your Savage Season. What is this, Noel? Right. So O Maidens in Your Savage Se- Season is an adaptation of a man- manga series of the same name that's written by Mario Kata. Um, Mario Kata is one of my favorite um, writers that works in anime. Um, she does a lot of uh, screenplay work and she does a lot of like what are called series composition work. So sort of either guiding it or doing a fair bit of like producing behind behind uh, the series development. So she's done things that I've really liked, including Simone, which is a really good um uh, mecha series she's done uh, uh red garden which is like a horror series that's also kind of a musical um that deals with uh magical not magical girls but buffy-esque sort of magical girls um it's a really weird it's a very anime take on new york city um but it's weird and kind of kind of off um she also mo- probably like most high profile though is that she did a lot of the series composition and writing for Lupin the third the woman called Fujiko Mini back in 2012 which is a terrific terrific series and really just kind of a glorious show um so this is her adapting her own manga and it deals with a uh, literature um a high school literature club um that of five girls and they um are all reading these works of high literature, but a lot of high literature, as we both know, tends to involve a fair degree of sex or discussion of sex in some capacity. And their whole thing becomes, well, we can't really understand these works without having sex in some way. So the series itself deals with a very coming of age sort of for these very archetypal type of girls um, anime girls, I should say, and how they navigate their burgeoning sexuality and other people's burgeoning sexualities around them. Um, so it's both really funny and really sweet. Um, as you can sort of attest from the name titles, like the taste of her pork miso soup means exactly what you think it means. Um, and S E X is how they come up to refer to sex because they're more uptight, repressed, uh, club member is very uncomfortable calling it just sex they have to come up with a number of other things um and she comes up with this like really ridiculous acronym that actually would be sex um and it's just like it's very fun um anyway the series so far is just kind of silly but also really poignant and i'm really enjoying it so far um but mario okada's work is generally really really good so i'm very excited about this this has been this was one for the summer season that i was probably most excited about and so far it's been paying off regrettably 
it's only on High Dive, which is a small um, anime uh, streaming platform that's maintained by Sentai Filmworks, which is a licensor here in the U.S., and they put a lot of their programs on there, but it's the only way to watch it. Uh, so I'm borrowing someone else's <laughs> login to watch this, um, <laughs> but it's very good. Um, so once it gets like released on DVD in your region, um, if you can pick it up, I'd recommend it. Um, so far anyway um get back to me after the season wraps up and i'll let you know um but i think it's really good so far and i'm very excited to see more of it as this season progresses okay that's interesting um yeah more on this as the season progresses what about grownish nights for what right so this episode has a lot of uh relationship exploration in it uh, in terms of how the th- the three that are the six that are paired off within the friends group um deal and communicate with their relationships so a lot of the stuff between um um zoe and lucas sort of gets explored but done in like a very sort of low-key way of everything zoe very much defers to luca in a lot of ways um with what they do with what they eat and Zoe doesn't really kind of push back on that. It's always, we're going to watch these nature documentaries and eat vegan food and that kind of a thing. Um, but she never really asserts herself. And so she gets called out on that. Um, there's a degree of defining the relationship between Aaron and Anna that occurs. Um, but that doesn't really go too far. The crux of the episode, however, deals with Nomi and the professor, um, page and the level of controlling and abusiveness really comes to the forefront in this episode. Uh, so much so that Paige accuses Nomi of betraying her every time she tells someone about the relationship. Um, so that all really comes to the forefront in this uh, episode to the point where Nomi declares um, that she's ended the relationship with Paige. And the power shift dynamics of that become really clear in this episode, even more so where they're being kind of played subtly slash Nomi just doesn't seem to know what's going on. And then this episode, Nomi becomes very aware of what's going on. And so there's a lot of pushback from Nomi about the fact that Paige is very upset that Nomi's friends all know about this and the degree to which that puts her in danger, but she doesn't really allow the relationship to be visible um so there's good stuff there but it also means that hopefully the nomi nomi and page stuff is done um and we don't have to deal with it anymore or we have to at least deal with the relative fallout of the relationship and that could potentially be more interesting but i was glad to see them finally engage this um the dynamics of their relationship even if it is a little late slash we haven't really seen them together together all that often um especially like without the lens of someone observing them which was always a little weird but i think plays nicely enough here to kind of that they were building to this exact moment as opposed to kind of making it clear why the two of them would be involved anyway. They clearly wanted this to kind of be pushed into a power dynamic relationship, but they never really fully fleshed it out. But again, I'm glad it's done. Hopefully. Yeah, that is very exciting because I'm, (laughs) I'm very ready for that to not be a storyline on the show. And I'm trying to think of whether I prefer them 
showing this kind of relationship and then showing how it can be beneficial, but also how it can be really messed up. Or I would rather they just didn't go there. And I, I think I'll have to watch the episode first. What do you think about that? I think they probably shouldn't have done the storyline because I think that there's a degree of disservice in the fact that it's hard to see what you see in Paige, um, what Nomi sees in Paige beyond this kind of encouraging Paige to sort of embrace who she is. Um, and I like that idea, but it also just never goes any further than that. And I think that there's a way to thread that needle of, all right, she encourages Paige encourages uh, Nomi to embrace who she is and be open about that, but keep this relationship a secret and that kind of attention, and which come which is an argu- a point of argument that Nomi makes um, to Paige in this episode, but it never really lands in a way that I feel works because they just haven't done the work. So I almost would have rather they just not done this at all if they were going to kind of half-heartedly do this as they have. Yeah, if you're not going to commit to it, then don't do it. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, after I, you know, if I have thoughts, I'll I'll share next week after I've had a chance to watch this one. Um, I certainly have thoughts about Agents of Shield Collision Course Part Two. Um, so how how long before Coulson is undead again? Uh, like immediately, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that yeah, it's probably pretty much immediately. Um, I'd rather have Jocko come back though. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, poor poor Jocko. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm worried about Sarge. Um, in terms of Clark Gregg slash Coulson, but I'm also worried about Davis. Like, I think Davis is dead. And yeah, Davis is definitely shriked, right? Yeah, no, he's definitely shriked. And even to the point where I thought maybe, like, Azel had sort of possessed him to get to um, to get to get May somehow. I don't know. But he's definitely shriked. And I'm very upset about that because I like Davis. And I'm glad they've been giving Davis and Piper a lot to do. I think that's Piper. Yeah. Well, Davis has that kid at home. Yeah. Who he never sees because he's in space saving people. Yeah. Maybe they'll figure out how to de-strike him. I hope so, because I don't want them to die. Yeah. Um, so, no, this episode's like a good sort of cap to everything, getting the game back together. And I like the fact that they have that moment of, like, everyone sort of coming together. Uh, I love Deke being so excited to meet his grandfather and the whole, all the Bobo stuff is just, <laughs> it's so good. And Fitz is just like, what is happening right now? And I'm just like, mm, Fitz, you sweet, sweet baby. You have no idea. <laughs> My favorite part of that um, was actually Simmons' reaction to it. And she's like, no, you did ask to be called that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was delightful. Yeah. So I think I think this is good. I think that I'm excited to see what the next four episodes bring in terms of maybe not necessarily wrapping all this up because they've said that both this season and season seven, which will be the show's final season are sort of like two uh, story cut in half, basically um, that they kind of have a self-contained story for this season, but that season seven's the second half basically of what they've been Uh. doing here. So a split version of their cap 10, their capsule sort of storytelling, um, which I have to just imagine it involves the Chromacons, coming and taking over the planet or something um which which will also be interesting i think i'm kind of excited about them exploring that further so yeah um and yeah based on the trailer i'm just kind of excited to see how they 
write write themselves out of this and explain this. So no, I'm excited about these last four episodes. I think this season's been working really well and it's been paced surprisingly well considering that the entire cast has been separated in one form or another for basically nine episodes. And it's like, no, this has worked pretty well. Yeah. I'm not always like the biggest fan of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. But I always appreciate its structure and its craft, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Because it gets stuff right that too many shows get wrong. More of this when we get to Claws. Um, so while it's not, again, I keep saying this every time, it's just a very solid and entertaining like project and, and, and episode every week and season. And it's not something for me to particularly write home about. But when yeah. I'm watching it, I'm very entertained. I'm enjoying the you know the season i it's satisfying in the ways that it should be and uh yeah I, i'm anytime a show like this uh announces its final seat like that, that there's going to be one more and it's going to be the final this so they have some time to think about how they want to end it to decide on their priorities and and what they want to make sure they hit before the show you know finishes and has its finale that that's always a good thing and a show that's been so so carefully and thoughtfully structured uh, and crafted as this one has been over the last few years, once they've really found their their pacing, um, I think is gonna, that's going to be a good thing for them to really have that time over the hiatus to, you know, actually, aren't they already filming this the new season, seventh season? Yeah, production for this season began in February, so they might have they might already be done. Um, they might already be finished filming their final season, um, which likely means that they got the order. They, I mean, the renewal for season seven came um, in November um, before season six even premiered. So they they had time to sort of, whatchamacallit, they've had like a fair bit of time to figure out what this is going to look like. And I think that's really good to your point of like, all right, we thought we were done with season five because of how season five ended. Um, so now we've, now we can figure out a way to sort of move around that a little bit. So I'm, I'm interested in, I'm excited because like you said, especially once they were able to shift away from being tied to the movies a little bit, they can, they can do something else and they can figure out what their gear is to borrow your phrasing. And they have, and I think their way that they've structured their seasons uh, since like season four um, has really benefited them. And I think that they just, they, they really understand their show now. So this idea of like trying to figure out what a conclusion for this group of people is, these groups of characters, I think is really good. And I think that that's a really solid, um, whatchamacallit approach and like it also sort of will reflect the degree to which like elementary surprise final season um allowed them to also so far kind of do greatest hits sort of things or really put buttons on a number of thematic things and while shield doesn't necessarily have those thematic points as heavily as elementary does they can at least figure out a way that's going to be deeply satisfying i think yeah for all of these characters to go out on a really good note, hopefully. Yeah, no, I agree. I, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, our next show is Pose, and that's one of those shows I was very excited to see get recognized with nominations, including Billy Porter. Um, this episode is What Would Candy Do? And Pose has been having a terrific season, I think. It's been a really, uh, really entertaining 
watch, a really dramatic watch. Um, and this episode, I think, maybe this one, maybe the previous, I think it was this episode, it was like only an hour, which for Pose is not always a guaranteed thing. And so I was like, ooh, let's see. I, and, and I mentioned that because it would be very easy when you're on FX and they've made it clear that you can basically have whatever runtime you want. If you want to go an extra 20 minutes, they're okay with that. Um, it would be easy for a show to become indulgent with that. And so the fact that they, they go, we don't need, we're good. We're good with 40 minutes, 60 with commercials. Um, is I, you know, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm glad they aren't, uh, falling into the, the Ryan Murphy bloat, which became such an issue when I was still watching it with American Horror Story. Um, anyways, this episode continues some of the, what feels like a level of wish fulfillment, um, in the season. And I'm, but it doesn't, they, it doesn't, uh, come across as, as false. It just comes across as very, uh, I mean, I guess optimistic and that's something that I appreciate just because it's wonderful to have stories about queer people and specifically trans women of color and and set during this time period that don't always have to be tragedies it's great but I'm also I'm also a little worried they're setting us up for a just such a fall at the end of the season um so we will see this episode is all about Ricky and, uh, and, and it's all about trying to break through his dancers and the, our, our, you know, basically one of our central love stories on the show, you know, how they can, if they're going to get back together, if they're going to stay broken up, if they can, cause they're both dancers, if they can, you know, see each other at these auditions and be all right. Or if, um, that's going to distract them from their work. It's, you know, again, I just kept waiting for something terrible to happen and then nothing does. It just is the story of them going through these auditions and showing how hard they've worked and what, you know, what they do to, to pull through and really focus on their passion. And it's just great. (laughs) I really liked it. I liked the, um, the stuff we get with Electra and her, uh, taking inspiration to can't with, from candy to grab candy's hammer and go take out the competition get to go crush demon's foot so that ricky will win the audition um which is just so so electra um and and like and then when when they actually they hear that this is you know happening they go wait did she bring the did she bring candy's hammer and they like yeah all of a sudden they're scrambling because if she actually brought the hammer to the ball, that it could actually go down. It was just really, really fun. So, um, yeah, this season has been really strong and there's only a few left. And hopefully we are headed to a measured finale and not the fall I've been anticipating um, since, you know, since they started centering so much of the season on Madonna's Vogue is the number one hit. And and this is going to finally bring attention to ball culture and lift all of us up and show and make us mainstream, uh, which a couple of the characters have been really buying into. And we know from history, it's not the case. Um, so we shall see. I'm in, I'm savoring the good stuff now. More on this in a couple weeks. Our last episode is Claws, Fly Like an Eagle. And Noel, what's, what's happening with Claws? What, like, WTF, mate? I really don't know. Like, I mean, we've praised this show for being 
delightfully weird, but now I feel like we're veering into nonsense weird as opposed to kind of a purposeful weird. And that's really troubling for me. The whole thing about the Lovestones adopting Dean, I, I don't, I don't, can you even adopt Dean? Like, He's I don't an understand adult. what's happening. I, I don't understand what's happening here. Um, and so, like, their little stage performance of him being born as their son is delightful and weird, but it also just speaks to how far kind of a field this season I feel like has gone and that a lot of the threads don't tie together really, really nicely or feel like they're all part of the same show. And increasingly, I'm like, I don't understand why we're really, really hung up on this casino. Like, we're aggressively hung up on this casino in a way that I don't understand. Um, Apart from... Like, it makes them money, but a number of other things make them money type of deal. And so, like, the taste of the big life, the taste of being a boss, I understand is an attractive one. But also, this seems like a lot of horribleness to maintain this um, and to put everyone through, including your biological father who you just reconnected with, who does not want a part of this anymore because he lost his job. And the degree to which this is just like spiraling is really kind of frustrating. And I I just, I don't understand anything that's happening on the show anymore to the point where I'm genuinely considering stopping. And I don't, I don't want to stop, but at the same time, it's just like, I'm not enjoying the show anymore. And I'm only half paying attention to it when I am watching it. And it's it's frustrating and are you feeling any of this on are you feeling any of this as well or am i just like do i need to start paying closer to attention to it when i watch it to really get what's happening no when it's what's frustrating for me is not how like all the extreme and crazy stuff that goes down all the like the really heightened things it's that it feels like the show is pulling away from its more grounded elements which are the reason that we watch that's the reason that i watch and like the ridiculous music videos are fun and polly being just all over the place is fun and 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 there's you know like the insane nails are fun and certainly entertaining and and really delicious layer on top of everything else but for me the bread and butter of the show is Jen and Bryce sitting and, and talking about Jen's complicated feelings about her ex and uh, the, you know, the, the scenes with Calvin and Desna and, and just like, that's what I tune in for. You know, everything else is a, a lovely cherry on top of people that I care about. And I feel like they're spending way less time and with this energy on the on sustaining the part of the show that makes this, these people that I care about, and more on the flash, and I need the ratios to be more substance than flash. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that they're like there's plenty of flash, but like last season in particular, they used the flash to illustrate and really inform those grounded bits and really provide commentary but also provide perspective and there's less of that happening this season where everything that is grounded feels deeply separated from the weirder aspects of the show and the weirder aspects of the show 
become less stylistic, less formalistic, and more just things that happen as opposed to things that provide a lens through which to look at these grounded things or to provide a sense of interiority. They kind of make gestures to that, like with the bad rap music video, but those things feel few and far in between this season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It felt like in the previous seasons, everything that they were going through was part of a journey and a progression of their characters and their points of view and how they looked at the world. And this season, I'm not getting that. This season just feels like whiplash and big pronouncements, but no introspection and no shift in worldview or uh, like the impact of these experiences. I don't feel like they're taking beyond the plot level. They're taking anything from these experiences. And when we, what they're going with, the writers are going with is such extreme like twists and developments in these people's lives, the characters' lives, that it doesn't really work. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And it's it's just really frustrating because season two was such a good high yeah. um, for the series. And now just to watch them really tumble and to not really be able to find a good story, um, even when they're trying to do something grounded like Dustin's relationship with Dean, they can't they can't find like any sort of good arc for it. It's all sort of the same and it's just really messy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, you know, it's frustrating. And listeners, I guess you'll hear whether we're still watching because it'll be whether we talk about it. Um, but yeah. I have a feeling that uh, Claus does not win your week in TV. He wins your week in TV. Um, I'll give it to Oh Maidens in your Savage Season. The first two episodes are really, really good. And while the show drops on Fridays and I haven't watched this week's yet, um, it I it's by far and away sort of the best thing I watched this week, um, even if it was last week. <laughs> so what about you? What won your week in TV? Well, I'm going to give a shout out to Jane the Virgin for uh, Abuela's struggles with Jane's book. And uh, Queen Sugar, this is how you do it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and also, I enjoyed Big Little Lies this week, but I figure I'll talk about that next week because the, the finale is coming up on Sunday. So more thoughts on Big Little Lies and just that little smirk from Meryl Streep at the like, little like bit of victory. I'm hoping that that is uh, not going to be uh, validated in the finale, but we'll see. But what I'll actually give uh, The Week in TV to is Pose uh, for What We Candy Do and just the beauty of seeing people really succeed at something that they're great at. The, the, the solid gold thing went on too long for me. But again, that's like that's more, you know, the way that I, we have felt about the Claws music videos in the past. Um, in previous seasons is kind of how I felt about that this uh, this episode for Pose. So I, it was a bit too long, but it was just so fun that i you know i I can i can give that to them so uh, i'll give it to pose this week now we will take a break listen to a trailer and come back with our season spotlight on stranger things season three there has been some delightful stranger things season three cosplay here at the con i saw a steve like with his scoops ahoy outfit the very first day it was it was delightful um hopefully there'll be more as the week continues no demogorgon or or or, uh, or flayer mind flayer yet, but maybe that's coming on. Yeah, Sunday. you really don't. I don't. I don't, don't want to see anyone cosplaying as like the slimy meat sack. <laughs> that is not something I want to see, Kate. That's something no one should want Very to see. Gross. But it would be quite a feat, you know. And it would be like, oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, but also, how did you do that? And props. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back <laughs> after this. 
have to let us stay. It doesn't make sense. I closed the gate. What if he never left? What if we locked him out here with us? He'd want to attach himself to someone again. It's building something. No matter what happens, we have to stop him. Together. That was the trailer for season three of Netflix's Stranger Things, and we are back with our season spotlight. So uh, <laughs> I know you guys miss the helicopters, but no helicopters for this segment, at least. <laughs> not necessary. Thank you for helping. <laughs> if that, that sounds more like an unfortunate, like, pulsing sound yeah. from a secret Russian it, base. It uh, does. I can keep doing it if you no, want. Just please, ha- we're, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Um, so Noel, uh, I, I really enjoyed season one of Stranger Things. I had a really unique experience watching it. I watched it with right. uh, my family at our family uh, reunion in like on the beach over that weekend, pitch black, no lights, any like it was really exciting and intense. And then season two, I was like, uh, well, not sure. It's way too long. Season three solves one of those problems by only being eight episodes, but really like eight and a half or nine episodes. Um, but I, I'm not sure if it was enough to convince me that it was right to come back to Hawkins in the first place. What did you think of season three? Um, all the hubbub and excitement around it. Uh, did that reflect your experience? Or are you, like me, a little less con- less convinced? I'm a little less convinced. I think that season three has more of a reason to exist than season two does, if only because season two provided adequate setup for it, where season one ends on a really delicious 
scary note that is appropriate for how the show appropriate for the genre that the show's operating in. <laughs> so yes, it leaves itself open for a sequel, but it doesn't need one. It's like the final sentence on a horror story yeah. and you close the book and you're done. Yeah. That's that's part of like the experience of season one and why season one's so potent. Season one is also deeply potent because it was more or less a surprise drop. No one knew what this was. Mm-hmm. And we all went in with zero expectations. Mm-hmm. And so the expectations game has always has become an issue for Stranger Things, in addition to its just cultural prevalence of it's everywhere and it's marketing everywhere mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. So Season three, I think, is a much tighter show, um, in part because of the reduced episode order. The show benefits from that a lot. Um, The show's decision to generally keep its cast separated, but also keep the best parts of their cast together where they need to stay together is super smart. And the best way to keep the show keep me invested in this show is to all keep me going yeah but when are we going to get back to dustin and steve and erica and maya <laughs> uh because that's the corner of the show i care about uh <laughs> so i think that that decision generally worked well despite my snarky tweet about the fact that this is a bunch of D D nerds that keep splitting the party and you never split the party you never split the party you never split the party it's just bad um so i think that generally helps um but overall um it's fine i think is what it basically boils down to i appreciate that it's much tighter i appreciate that the monster representation of the monster is really scary and i like the body snatcher as a concept i think is really really good and the execution for it starts off really well and then just goes away into nothing Mm -hmm. but the monster sure is super gross and that's good um, and then the Red Dawn stuff, I can take or leave, uh, but we can, we can dig into it now, uh, cause it was fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, and the reason that it's fine, um, with that inflection is that I think the, the finale actually for me works really well. I think it's a strong mm-hmm. finale, uh, and a, a potent culmination to a very disjointed and like at times shoddily managed season and it's disappointing because they have really effective good pieces here and then they have other parts of the show that they just completely mismanage and and you're like this (laughs) there's no reason this shouldn't be much better than it is um so why don't we go like chunk of the show by chunk of the show i feel like that's a good way to start with it yes and let's start with um let's save the delicious Scoops yes. Ahoy, Banana Boat, or whatever. Uh, uh, that is, for that is the correct way to phrase that group, that chunk, is yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, let's save that for the end. Um, let's start with Jason Hopper, which yes. starts uh, off as one of the parts of the show that was really working for me until I just wanted to write them both off of the show. And really, it's not their fault. It's the show's fault. Uh, because not only did they complete, the writers completely mishandle Hopper this season, like in a significant bad way. And some of that's the performance. But for me, I don't put that on the actor. I put that on the directors and the producers for not knowing the the tone that they want. Because he's just a jackass and not a lovable one. He's like violent and mean in a way that is not in character. There's like at the beginning of the season, he's just sort of 
curmudgeonly grumpy, you know, overprotective father. Like, okay, I can see that's not the healthiest of things, but I can see it. But they really go out of their way to make him obnoxious and just terrible in the second half. And even more than that. And by the time they get Brett Gelman in, I'm like, I I want Brett Gelman to go away. I shouldn't ever want Brett Gelman to go away except on Fleabag. Um, yes. In which case, I don't want him to go away. I want the character to go away. But um, that that shtick of, huh, you two really want a bone was not funny or interesting in season two when they did it. And it's even more obnoxious here in season three. They have no hand, sense and handle of their tone for this, these characters. And what they think is funny banter is not funny banter. It's not interesting. It's not cutesy. It's just difficult and not interesting to watch. And the fact that they seem to think it's cute and adorable, um, based on how they end that, you know, like that, how how they reward that behavior towards the end of of the season, uh, is off putting. But tracks with the the creepy, gross behind the scenes interviews they had about like enjoying how uncomfortable the actress who plays Max was at having to have her first kiss be on t- on like filming and that they, she, they very much pressured her into doing it and didn't make sure she was comfortable and felt safe. Um, so that would like, it totally tracks with these toxic impulses of these creators that we've seen kind of like pieces of in some interviews, not that they are, I'm not saying cancel them. I'm just saying like, they could use some sensitivity <laughs> and that came through for me in a big way with Hopper this season. Right, no, there's a really good piece at uh, TV Club that outlines a lot of this. Um, that Hopper just becomes this this lout, this brute. Yeah, um, which he never was. Which he never was. He was crusty, mm-hmm. and he was frustrated, and he was underfunded. Mm-hmm. But he took all the bad. He took all the wrong messages from Magnum. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. It took me a while to realize that that's what he was doing with the Hawaiian shirt. And yes. then when I did, I was just like, oh, chef's kiss. That is well right, done no. costume designer. That's Hopper. That's yeah. Hopper. Yeah. That's Hopper. But getting super drunk and getting very belligerent um, to the point where it's yeah. like really aggressive. And that's like an abusive said, spouse waiting to happen in a show exactly. that seems to understand that that's a problem because they've shown them. Yes. No, that's exactly the point I was going to make is like, this becomes borderline abusive. And that's real bad in terms of like, this is our romantic lead couple here for the adults. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is not a good relationship for anyone to model. This is a very bad relationship. And having sex is not going to solve your issues in any way, shape or form. That's a different sort of sublimation of sex in a screwball comedy. This is not a screwball comedy. This is not a screw. This is not screwball pattern. This is two very frustrated people in a high-stakes situation responding sort of appropriately, but also not appropriately. Yeah. Well, and when Hopper was with Eleven, they had a much better handle on that character. Yes. As soon as they're back with the kids, like, I I love Dustin laying out the whole plan, and Hopper just goes, no. No. Yes. No, that, no. That is also how Hopper, g- Hopper is. Yes. Yeah. But when he's with uh, when he's with Joyce, and even her too, they also yes. make her angry and 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 just very, again, abusive in the language. Mm-hmm. And they think it's cute, and they think it's funny, and it's 
you want to be like, do you need to go to some couples therapy or something? Like, what's going on here? Because that's, that's not what that is. Yeah. This is not how you write sublimation of um, unstated affection. Yeah, this is not UST. No. Yeah, no, this is this is not this is not how this gets represented in a healthy, enjoyable, entertaining way. This is how, like you said, it leads to an abusive relationship sort of way. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's it's not great. It's not cute. And also the the, the how this ends with semi heroic fight against the Russian Terminator um, just doesn't doesn't work. Yeah. Well, and, and so, yeah, were you yeah. As, as irritated with Gelman's character and, and specifically the just fuck already? Like, yes, thing. The, the emphasis on the sex part was really frustrating. Um, but Gelman's uh, thing as Bon 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 or whatever, um, I think generally works really well here compared to how it worked in season two. But it's still just a variation of what he did in season two because he's just he's telling Nancy and Jonathan to bone the entire time in season two as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so, would have rather they turned that into like a what does it say about this guy kind of a thing. Yes, but if, they don't. But they don't. Yeah, because yeah, he's, no, he's he's absolutely supposed to be right. Right, he's absolutely supposed to be correct. But all of his stuff with Alexi's gold. <laughs> yeah, is the thing is like <laughs> makes strawberry up for versus it. cherry was great. <laughs> yes. No, all of his stuff with Alexi is amazing, yeah. um, including like the discussion of carnival games. Mm-hmm. It's all very, very good. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that stuff works, but all the Joyce and Hopper stuff is just a mess. Well, and it gets increasingly toxic as you're watching, and then so that goes from being one of the corners of the show that's very reliable to a part of the show that you then start dread. At least I started dreading. Yes. And yeah. we got too much of it for that to be sustainable. Um, another part of the show that really did not work for me at all was everything with Billy. And here's why they went out of their way to establish in season two that Billy is a psychopath and Billy like beats people up for fun and tortures people and rapes people and like literally almost runs down children in the road with a smile on his face. You don't get to take that and then try to walk it back to you. But, you know, he had a hard childhood. He had an abusive father. And there's some, you know, and Max really loves her brother. And, like, you don't get to do that. You've already played your hand with Billy. And because you like the actor, that's not a good enough reason to try to reposition, like, rewrite the Max-Billy dynamic and try to give, give him a heroic sacrifice at the end. No, absolutely. And it undermines... it. Uh, the heroic sacrifice thing undermines even, like, a number of other things that they're doing of, like... The fact that he has this degree of evil within him, basically, that's been nurtured over however he's nurtured it. Mm-hmm. So having him be susceptible to this, I think, is really... It's a really potent message to make, but having a redemption sort of moment feels aggressively 80s. Um, but it also just feels disingenuous. And it's also really startling to think that the only reason some of Billy gets toned down is because the actor pushed them to tone it down. Yeah. Um, which is, which is weird. Mm -hmm. Um, but also like, what else were they going to do to this guy? Were they still going to do really worse stuff with Billy and then give him the redemption arc? Because not even an arc, a redemption moment. Moment. Yeah. Um, because there's no, there's no grand push. There's just, like you said, there's some CGI flashbacks, uh, blue screen flashbacks, and then, oh, right, I was wrong. 
And she's like, mm, <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, yes, but no. <laughs> and the thing I think is, is like, I think the actor is real good in this season. Like, I think he does a really good job with the creature possession stuff in a way that I found really potent and really scary, legitimately scary. Um, beyond, like, the 80s aggressive bullies type of stuff. But he, the sincerity stuff doesn't really work. And no. that's that that was frustrating, so. You don't get to make your sadist sincere. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you can be a sadist and be sincere when it's in a consenting environment that is... Oh, yeah. No, no. I meant oh, violent. No. Yeah, not yeah. consensual. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're right. You're right. Yeah, not, not yucking any consensual yums, but uh, yeah, it's not what we got going on here. Um, no, it is not. One of the things I thought they really did improve this season was I loved everything we got with Max and Eleven. Um, however, the I thought it was completely unbalanced, right? So, like, all the stuff we get with Max and Eleven I really enjoyed. I liked that they went out of the way to, to like, learn a lesson from the reaction to season two where people are like, you literally have two girls on this show and you have to set them up as romantic rivals who don't like each other? Come on. <laughs> Come on, guys. And so that was a good adjustment. Um, but... Then the 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 show was so split up in the first part of the season. They had the like the the pacing was all off because yes. you had they they you knew they knew where they wanted to everybody to end up. And when they do t- get back together, I think for me it really clicked in and really really worked. But then you've got like a secret underground base. You've got people uh, missing for twenty four hours and seriously imperiled. Uh, and at the same time, you have a let's go to the mall. <laughs> um, I mean. I don't think you get to do all of that stuff. It's like, and then have these kind of apocalyptic stakes at the same time. The For me, the balance was off. So I really enjoyed what we got with the kids hanging out, but it dragged. I was like, I actually want, I felt like eight was too many episodes for them. I can see that. And a lot of that just boils down to the fact that it just has to take so long for everyone to get caught up is the problem Mm -hmm. because they're all separated. So, um, like Nancy and Jonathan are like the Johnny's on the spots. No, Jonathan's fucking useless. No, he is, but it's just, they're Johnny on the spot with the plot Mm -hmm. basically of like, Oh no, there's weird stuff going on. Um, we should do something about that maybe. And, they're the ones that most engage. Yes, Jonathan is useless. And I was really glad with, um, whatchamacallit, with um, Nancy really embracing final girlhood mm-hmm. um, really pretty pretty well um, this season in particular. Um, but Max and Eleven are what we're talking about. And no, it's very good. Like, invasion of privacy stuff is terrible, and you shouldn't do it when you're a telepath, but... But also they're teenagers. Come on. They're teenagers, and it was... It was funny if prone to massive amounts of gender essentialism, but yes. also teenagers in the eighties. Yeah, um, not super, not not the best at this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I will say they really had. I really had a problem with Eleven's uh, verbal acuity because yeah. it came and went, and yes. in a way that I didn't buy at all. And I yep. think they did not have a handle on that, and nope. uh, it was really irritating. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a year. Um, just it have, should be just better. Just have her be fine. Yeah, or or have her not be, yeah. and be that way all the time. Yeah, and I mean, you can also keep Brown's 
really lilty delivery mm-hmm. and still have her speak mm-hmm. in either format. But the way that everything gets structured with her verbally is on a writing level is just weird. And like you said, just inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd you feel about the guys? <sighs> so boring. Like, yeah. just dull. Not enough just there, so there. Dull. There's no there, there. And I just keep feeling super bad for Will. Mm-hmm. On so many levels, no one cares about Will at all. And it makes me really sad um, because that boy needs so much therapy, (laughs) like (laughs) all the therapy. Um, And there's just there's a refusal to engage him because they have girlfriends. And there's a selfishness in that that is very specific and very correct. (laughs) But it also makes for really boring television is the problem. Yeah. And I get that. When you're basically doing an entire eight episodes over the course of 36 to 48 hours, Mm -hmm. which is more or less what this season covers, that it makes sense. But it's real boring to watch. And it just, it becomes really repetitive. And it just makes me feel really sad for Will. And Will gets really lost in this shuffle of, well, we've got a big scary monster. And he's not after Will this time. But he's also sort of after 11, but not quite after 11. And all this sort of stuff that's going on here. Um, So, yeah, it just made me feel really bad for Will. But there's not enough there there. And every time they kind of veered to the boys, I just went, but can we just have Max and Eleven hanging out some more? (laughs) I like that they actively gave Lucas so much more to do and more definition. Yes, yes, they did. That was a really, like, it seemed like an active choice, which I appreciated. Um, But literally, Will's job was to stand there, look spooky, and, like, slowly touch the back of his neck. I was like, there's no reason you couldn't have given him some other, like, lingering after effects, powers, or something that are useful. Um, And, you know, I think for me, it's the same thing with Max and Eleven, where the pacing felt so off is that show more of them hanging out before you raise the stakes of the monster so that way i can enjoy them the fights you know between them and the like the breaking up and not bring in like 11 being like yeah this is because you're st- only talking to stupid boys you don't even know about wonder woman she's awesome right like that stuff was great and and even just the spying on what if i had been in the in the bathroom but you weren't but i could have been like all that stuff is great but not when we know that there is a people melting monster across town that a bunch of the characters are you know, like we're, we're cutting back from that to their squabbling and that's like you can do that maybe once or maybe twice that's part of how you're building the tension but they did it so often it took so long for us to get to that point and I, i'm not saying i wanted them to abandon the social element of the show and like the the community and the, the kids being kids hanging out part of the show which is so essential to its charm and its success but i think they needed to pace it differently with the other arcs of the plot yes um, yeah absolutely Okay, so Jonathan and Nancy, uh, utterly useless, and I like Na- I like that they <laughs> were like at least. Sorry, I was very dismissive of of me. Um, I, I stand by it, but I I should be less dismissive. Um, the stuff with Nancy was great. Hey, Jonathan knew to get that ignition cable, <laughs> which was good when they let him actually do something. Well, because it's very much like they had these characters that they knew had to be on the show because uh, you know, of where they wanted the other characters to be. Um, but they couldn't be useful until the last episode. And yes. Jonathan was very much one of those characters. They didn't have enough story for th- their partnership for those two characters. And they wanted to you know have them be paired off. And so because of that, 
he just literally just sleeps through part of their arc. Um, you don't get anywhere near enough of a connection and aware. Like, I don't believe his journey from the end of last season to where we are now in a way that I do believe most of the other characters like this is X number of months later. I don't buy Hopper. I don't buy Jonathan because he just he doesn't feel affected by everything that he all the trauma he would have experienced just by proxy, uh, like with being so close to what Will went through and and his mom. Like they seem like they're trying to recover. He seems like I'm going off to work, and that yeah doesn't doesn't really work. Um, and so the stuff with Nancy I thought was actually terrific, and Jonathan was an add on, and. It was like, like a big over, like overcorrection from last season when he was way too um, smart and interesting and like they were putting the shine on him so that they could get Nancy and Jonathan together, uh, which was a big part of their, like what they wanted to do in the previous season. So I like that they realized he is not, that character is not one of the strengths of the show. We didn't use too much of him last season. Let's correct for that this season. But his the him and Nancy stuff needed more um or they needed less screen time. Yeah, and the other frustrating thing is that there's this nice gesture towards all right. Let's talk about let's talk about gender and class, and then just completely drops that as like a would have been a good defining tension for the two of them to propel their characterization and their plot forward a little bit. But mm-hmm. then they just drop it after a conversation in the car. Yep, and it's like, but no, no, no that that was the thing. That was the thing. That's what Bring we were going to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's, it's what like you, the, that's what you should have done. It's like the mall killing all the local, you know, thing. that was the other, like that, their stuff was all like the thematic stuff that the show was, the point that the show was trying to make, but then the show, no, 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 we just want to make 80s fun. <laughs> we don't actually yes. care about any of that. There is no substance beneath the, the surface. Um, but because they introduced some of these themes with those two characters, when they don't follow through, it is more disappointing than if they had never introduced them in the first place. Yeah. The upside, though, is Jake Busey's real good at being creepy, and so is Michael Park. So, like, their whole chase to the hospital was genuinely very frightening. But also, kids, never go to the part of the hospital that is under construction. Just don't. It's not don't good. do it's that. Not good idea. Don't not do good. that. Stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. Uh, there was a good set piece. I did enjoy the, the hospital set piece. Um, but again, I thought that the, the balance of the powers that the different things have, it was an overpowered and then underpowered, you know? Um, So more consistency with that would have, I think I would have appreciated that. Um, Have we talked about everything that is not the Scoops Ahoy crew? Let me see. I really enjoyed Alexi. He's kind of with Joyce and Hopper and them. Yeah, no, yeah, no, we have not. So yeah, let's talk about Scoops Ahoy. But also first, let's talk about how... Lucas's and Erica's parents don't care about them. (laughs) Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, there's no APB for a little girl that's been missing for a day. Yeah. Like, just a cutaway to them, like, something happened, you know, like, just some little thing would have been plenty. We know the Wheelers are bad parents. We know that already. Been very We know they're terrible. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason the Sinclairs also have to be off screen and terrible. <laughs> okay, so here is where I'm at with the Scoops troop. Um, I had a real hard time with uh, randomly cracking Russian. Yes. That was bullshit because and didn't none work of those languages all. she knows are 
in the same phenom family. No. So it doesn't make any sense. I understand that we needed to get there, and I'm yeah, I'm going to give it to them because the fruits of that tree are very good. But, but like it's nonsense. She's a nerd, right? Make her, or she's and she was like band geek. Make her yes. like obsessed with Shostakovich or something, and so she was yes. like teaching herself Russian. Or make yes. it so like she really likes like international like horror movies, which is or something nerdy that fits with you know cool girl Robin, right? Especially when she goes to work at the she goes to work at the movie theater, right? At the at the, yeah. the family video, and she has good taste in movies, right? So maybe yeah. she's on like a a, a, a she, she's Russian super film. Good. Yeah, kick. she's into Soviet montage cinema. Somehow she's got her hands on Soviet montage cinema in the nineteen eighties in the yeah. middle of Indiana. Yeah, but without like, being in college. But that, go on. That yeah. was such a barrier to entry for me. It took that like I checked out of every part of that story for way longer than the show wanted me to. And it really, like, they're so charming that it ended up working out. And specifically, when Erica comes in the mix, (laughs) which is not a great performance, but it's just so fun that that really raised all boats, you know? Um, But when she's, like, I... (sighs) The performance is good. The The dynamic is good. But it's just like literally I was watching this with the same brother and my sister that I watched the first season with. And we had such a wonderful like edge of your seats. Don't even breathe experience of season one. And then we were watching this season together and we just started like laughing because <laughs> we are all, you know, like some level of multilingual. And my brother and sister are specific like they each speak like two to three languages. And so like it was like, that's not how it works. This is very very stupid uh, you have not earned this until they are uh then w- once they start sneaking around erica shows up and it's just constant sass all the time then we're like then it works for me and i can get on board because everything else is terrific with with them i i also did not like the russian base i thought it was stupid didn't think they earned it i didn't like all these other things like but that there's no way to make that base in a year there's no no possible way no it's ridiculous and and not in the good kind of way it felt like this misreading of the show's previous um embrace of and nostalgia and love for 80s cinema with the like let's do let's do like like the what's that Red, Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Let's do Red Dawn. Why not? You know? Um, and because you haven't earned it is the reason. Like, if you have them get sucked into the the, the portals opening and then they, they get sucked and they end up, they come out the other side and they're in Russia. Sure, I'll do that. I can take that. That can work. If somebody in, in Russia has opened up a portal because they're experimenting on the stuff. Sure. But, like, the idea of a secret base underneath it with... <sighs> vents that completely change size depending on who needs to go in them for the plot's sake. It was it was bad. It was bad. And they got through it sheer uh, sheerly on charm and charisma of those four actors and the delightful banter that they gave Erica and Dustin because the no you're a nerd, my little pony is a nerd thing. You're a nerd was great. Sorry, I've been ranting. No. It's your turn. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. I, I think you're correct. Um, just like logistically, there's a lot of asks here, um, especially to build something that big in a year. It's just huge. And also, is that the same wall from the lab in the other movie? No, it's different. But, but how, but why, but okay, whatever. Sure. 
was sort of like the response to that because that elevator's so big. Mm-hmm. It's so big. And Carrie Elius is just handing out permits for this stuff. <laughs> um, but it's it's just it's too much. It's just too much. And like I said, like Russian is not a not a language that's in that same group of romance languages that she kind of has a handle on. Mm-hmm. Those are very different types of ways of approaching those. Um, so that's all a problem. But like you said, everyone's rolling nat twenties on their charisma checks for the rest of this plot <laughs> because it's like, all right, everyone like Dustin and Steve, let's just keep them together the whole time. And let's give them the most adorable reunion mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. It's just like, I forgot who cares about my girlfriend in Utah. Who's definitely real. My boyfriend <laughs> in Indiana's here. Yay. It's just like, yay. But also <laughs> like under pro- appropriately undercut by Maya going, uh, not Maya Robin going, how many little kids are you friends with? And I love that he just doesn't care. He's like, Psh, whatever. No, whatever. This kid's great. Yeah. I love pot roast or roast beef or whatever it's yeah. said on his shirt the entire time. It's just like, oh, this is, just give it to me. Give it to mm-hmm. me. Um, so, no, like, their whole mess is really good. Uh, Robin and uh, Steve getting drugged is ends up being just really delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, both just on a performance level because they're both both Joe Keery and Maya Hawk were just ridiculously funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, I appreciate that it wears off or is vomited up. Yeah. So that we can have the heart-to-heart conversation about... Which is just so beautiful. It's really good. Like, it's... He's confused, and then it's, like, utter acceptance immediately. And that's just really lovely and really good. And also, by the end of it, we're... <laughs> they're trying to get the job at the video store and I'm just going oh man and my person pointed this out of they're going to be such good wing persons for one another it's not even funny <laughs> like yeah. it's going to be real good mm-hmm. they should just go to all the clubs and help each other mm-hmm. and I want that as a web series Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's an appropriate amount of stakes. I think the introduction of Erica after realizing what they had in Erica in season two for little bits mm-hmm. um, was a good choice to like elevate her to a series regular and be like, all right, you're going to hang out with the A squad because that's where you belong. Yeah. And yeah. you're just going to be pure sass. And also, I feel like the Russians, provided they sp- spoke English, would be scared of you, Erica. <laughs> They would be scared by your sick burns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of this, I think it's all really good. Um, but I think also like one of the things that goes along with the suspension of disbelief that's required to get through a lot of this is Steve would have so many broken ribs. Yeah. So many. And a concussion. Mm-hmm. Well, and, <laughs> and this, like with, uh, with uh, Dustin's like medical condition where his bones are all like flexible to like, you'd think yeah. that would be a concern too i love that they brought that back up that they didn't yes. forget because it's you know it's based on the condition the actor has but they didn't forget that this is a character who has a non-visible disability yeah. um yeah and, and so i was i really appreciate that but yes no there should be a lot more permanent injuries as supposed to be like a, a carefully pointed like cut on like an eyebrow or a cheek yeah. you know yeah yeah um i did appreciate that um whatchamacallit Susie was real and i really yes. appreciate that 
and their rendition of Never Ender Story was delightful, if way also too long. just way too long and a complete momentum killer for the fact of, wait, no, everyone's in a severe amount of danger. We need to we need to do something about this. But when you get Matilda from Matilda the Musical, mm-hmm. you kind of have to let her sing. Um, <laughs> you, you really, really don't. Because you know what they could have done? They could have done, like, just the opening part of it and then had yeah. to go... Susie, Susie Poo, I will happily sing the rest of this to you in just a moment, but I need, I need the number before I can keep going. And then they could have had them singing it score the next set of action. Yeah, and which is what they should have done. Yeah, or they could have cut that in like with the credits, like as a post-credit scene. You know, that would have been more interesting. And then you can have them have that, have it be a callback, and it's a fun thing, but it doesn't completely <laughs> strip that moment of. All its energy. And yes, I get they're doing a comedic bit, but literally people are dying. Uh, yeah, no, they're, they're dying. And I, I know we can't explain that to Susie because she thinks the whole Saving the World thing is like a D&D campaign or mm-hmm. some sort of thing. Um, but it's also like, no, but this is, this is a momentum killer. Like you said, scoring it to that would have been really good, I think. Mm-hmm. And But this also like provides a good segue into the final montage which is just badly edited Mm -hmm. like it's aggressively badly edited in a temporal sense of like all right they're driving away and now we're gonna cut back to them hugging each other and getting ready to leave and but wait but they're they already left and i understand that you can do that Mm -hmm. but it's it's not good Mm -hmm. because you can do it in chronological order while the line while the letter is still being read wonderfully by david harbour mm-hmm. hey here's hopper mm-hmm. um but it's just it's bad and they just there just seems to be weird like technical staging issues this season in terms of putting together a show both sometimes structurally sometimes suspension of disbeliefy, but also just fundamental filmmaking sort of approach yeah yeah, it's it. I've seen some people speculating that that it's an intentional thing that we're going to deal with time travel somewhat next season. Or I'm, I, I, I'm being very dismissive of that. Yeah, I don't. I don't anticipate that. I mean, like based on some of the other choices this season, it does feel. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong, but it just feels like, yep, that sloppiness matches some of the other choices this season. Yeah, and I appreciate that. That's probably informed by the fact that yeah, no, they they made a big case of back, about Back to the Future, but. Guys, they also made a big case about Magnum and mm-hmm. Miami Vice. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> We're not going to do Miami Vice in season four. <laughs> no. No. I mean, I feel like they... Because I get where they needed to go, you know, where they wanted to end up. But I feel like maybe if you had the first half of the season, is the threat is the Russian stuff, and then you only really introduce the people-eating about halfway through and it shifts focus i yeah. feel like that would have worked a lot better and because then, then just with the very stakes it's like oh the russians are doing a bad thing they're trying to open the rift as opposed to there's already people dying there's already zombies among you. like i feel like that could have worked a lot better and i mean i having you know the the charms of the show are still very evident I I would not have watched it all uh, if we didn't have the podcast. I d- doubt I would have made it through it all. Um, but I watched the first five or six, like on my birthday with my family. That's like we was, like got some food and hung out and watched a bunch of that. And if 
if we hadn't been sort of experiencing it together and like yelling at the screen angry at different things and then going like, see, this is what I'm talking about. Erica is saving this whole episode. Um, it would have, I, they're, they're, the end of the season, the last episode, I was like, okay, you know what? Surprisingly, this is all really working for me and it, sh- it shouldn't necessarily, but it is, it's coming together in a satisfying way, but I don't think they earned it with all the other stuff leading up. So I would like to think that, the next season, which I were anticipating being the final season, will wrap things up in a meaningful and like a potentially successful way. But I, I, mean, I didn't go into the season with high expectations already. But I just I'm I'm gonna probably finish it to have finished it. But yeah, it just is disappointing. I want to like the show much more than I do, and I do enjoy the cast as much as I want to like the show. So like I've been watching other promotional things. Did you uh, see that? Uh, Lucas and Dustin were on Truth or Dab from Hot Ones. I did not. It is delightful. It is delightful and super fun and introduces a whole new issue to Hot Ones, which is braces. (laughs) He gets some of the the insanely hot chicken stuck in his braces. So it just keeps burning. Oh, hilarious. Oh, no, that's terrible. Yeah. No, it's it's not good and also hilarious. Um, So, like, the... That, you know, I keep going back to it, that charm offensive part of the show is still really successful for me. But I don't know whether I think I'll just go in with such low expectations next season that I'll be able to, you know, write it out. But I don't see what other people see about this show where they love it so much. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the first season's real great. And mm-hmm. then it's just been like a steady decline and they shouldn't have done more shows. Um, and I think arguably like the biggest sin of this season, Kate, and I'm being super serious right now. Okay. I've got my serious voice. Not enough Paul Reiser. <laughs> I expect he'll be back next season. Yeah, I expect so too, but there was not enough Paul Reiser. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they also don't know how to utilize Paul Reiser, which is a problem. <laughs> Yeah, as an actor, they don't know how to use Paul Reiser very well. And it's just like, just let Paul tell you how to use Paul Reiser because he's real good at it. Yeah, he knows. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for a moment I was like, ah, aliens. Oh, wait, no, he was was on the show in season two. I just forgot. Yes, yes, you did forget because (laughs) he just didn't get anything to do. Yep, yep. Uh, Now I'm going to make, I think we're going to watch aliens tonight. I was going to do something else, but we're going to watch aliens tonight. That's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so I I endorse that decision. Um, speaking of, I did enjoy Carrie Ellis as the sleazy mayor. He's very good at that. Yeah, nice little yeah, cameo. Yeah, yeah. Any also, final... that little girl was not tall enough to be on the gravitron. She was not <laughs> tall enough. She would die. She would have died. <laughs> Those things are death traps anyway. But <laughs> good times. Yeah. 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 Any final thoughts on? No, those were my things? final thoughts. Is yeah. more Paul Reiser and Unless proper safety at carnivals. <laughs> okay. And on that note, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Thank you, Noel, as ever. If you show notes, you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there or you can email us the televerse at gmail.com we're also up in apple podcast with an m4a chapter feed and mp3 unchapter feed and we're available over on stitcher as well and we're both on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk thank you for an excellent week kate thank you noel and thank you anyone if i've run into you we're recording this ahead if i've run into you at comic-con hello and if you're at comic-con and i haven't run into you 
uh, hit me up on Twitter. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.